Wonder Goals Galore in game week two. It's the FPL Surgery. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, listeners. Thanks for joining us once again for the FPL Surgery podcast for our 140th instalment. Blows my mind that we've got to that many, and probably the Iceman's head, given the amount of hours he's had to put into editing this now. We are coming to you on the 20th of August, 2019, the Tuesday after game week two of the uh, Premier League season. Welcoming back the Iceman. Thank you very much, Billy, and welcome back to yourself too. Thank you very much, sir. Unbelievable. Uh, 140 episodes. Uh, think how many hours you've spent oh, editing. Don't, don't go there. Don't. I can't bear to think how long we've spent doing this and putting the effort in we do every week. Think how many hours you've got to put in your lovely garden for, uh, <laughs> that, sorting out that grass. In fact, it does need mowing. It does. Oh, yeah. Well, with all that said, last week we uh, we went on for about a uh, quarter of an hour before we actually started talking FPL. So I'm not going to uh, extend this chat with you, Iceman. Let's get into our guest this week. New partner this year on the podcast, our Algorithm Maestro. Seven top 30k finishes and four top 2k finishes. So the proof is very much in the pudding. Uh, best finish being 519th. Welcome to our podcast partner for this year, Mikkel Tokfam. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm yep. honored to to get on the show finally. I'm impressed by um, all the work you've put down uh, over the over the years now. Uh, it's quite uh, interesting uh, to listen to you guys. Thank you, Mikael. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, and appreciate that, Mikael. And I think um, it's having minds like yours on here which make this podcast uh, great and, and helpful to people. So let, let's find out, Mikael. How did you tell us a bit about how you got into FPL and your involvement with FPL now? Yeah, actually, how I started, I was quite unaware of what I was getting into because in the earlier years I was a professional poker player, and some guys introduced me to this game, and I just went along for uh, a couple of seasons um, before I really picked up there are actually some money involved and a lot of things to figure that it would be a perfect fit for me and, and calculations so um, from there I went going and um, and tried to, to figure out the secrets behind the game to make success without um, saying that I'm a football expert uh, of any kind. Yeah I think the uh, as I said the proof's in the pudding though with uh, how you've converted your knowledge into top finishes is certainly impressive us which led to Iceman getting you on ultimately and the Iceman's a great scout of talent yeah well it's clear that he knows what he's doing and his algorithm is just amazing I've seen it every week in our little Facebook group I'm glad to bring you on Mikael yeah thank you good stuff chaps we'll talk more algorithm later I'll be interested to see how uh, that influences Mikael's answers to some of our headlines speaking of which we've got six of them we're going to do our best to answer your questions as we go through so here are the headlines mid-price mids the failure of Iozzi and the rise of Cabellos Martial and KDB have managers taking hits number three no pookie no party number four abandon the Liverpool defensive ship number five template broken that was quick uh, and number six, should we unlock the wild card already or are we just bricking it? Yeah. Um, first of all, let's talk about how we got on in our last game weeks. I'm going to get mine out of the way very quickly. I went from having a decent first game week to a horrid second, true to my form of last season. I got 32. I got screwed by the Liverpool conceding that Danny Ings goal. Uh, my captain Salah only got six. Josh King came with a goal, which was nice and sterling. Kept his form going, but nothing else to sing home about. Uh, I could have had a tragic game week where not for Greenwood getting me a point on the Monday night. So very much saved the sinking ship for me. Saved him. 
Iceman? Yeah, pretty average for me. I've got 42. That's just one above the average. I'm currently 755,000. Uh, I've held my transfer so I can use them both this week. So, yeah, nothing to shout about for me. Okay, Mikael, how did you get on? Unfortunately, it was uh, quite a horrible game week for me as well. I uh, ended up uh, with uh, 36 points and pretty much the same same players as, as you guys. I guess we shouldn't talk too much about last game week because then I'm afraid we uh, you would lose listeners altogether <laughs> because this this was truly horrible. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't actually manage to crack three figures between our three scores. So if you want to tune out now, that we, we'd forgive you for doing so. But we've got some good stuff to say, I promise. So stay with us. And before we get to that good stuff, I'm just going to mention our new Patreons this week. So patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. Thank you to everybody who continues to support the pod. We've been overwhelmed by the amount of support you've given us, you know, over the last few years, but also the new people joining. So thank you for that. New patrons to shout out this week. Uh, and I apologize because I'll probably pronounce your names wrong. So Eric Co-Walker, Paul Garside, James Long, Emma Stratton, all joined at the Slack level. Going to be great having you in, in the Slack channel. Uh, we've also got to mention Ron Frosk because they've joined at the very highest tier of, of our Patreon following. So really appreciate that, Ron Frost. Thank you very much. Appreciate any support. So patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery to support the pod, but also to get involved with our various extra mini leagues, opportunities to win prizes. Those stressfuls are flying off the shelves. Our, our standard placemats that we hand out, our mugs, all sorts of uh, merch you can get off us by joining our uh, FPL Surgery Slack channel. Opportunities to win competition prizes there. And the Ice Man is churning out the rewards. <laughs> yeah, every week, yeah. Every week, yeah. And the prizes are going to get better now. We've got more support, so look forward to developments there. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Uh, okay, back to the FPL headlines. Let's jump straight into talking about the bloody soccer. So, mid-price mids, the failure of Iosi, the rise of Cabellos, whose name I'm butchering every time, really impressed with the Arsenal man this weekend. Mikel, I felt like Arsenal, you know, they, over the years we've had uh, Nasri, we've had Fabregas, even Kleb. They were kind of those dynamic attacking midfielders to some degree, Ramsey. And it feels like we, since we lost Cazorla, he was the last of that breed. Seeing Danny Cabellos so impressive. What, what were your thoughts on, on him? Oh, sure. Um, he looked uh, magnificent, um, uh, most as a player and maybe a little bit as, a, as an FPL prospect. But for me, he's not making it yet. Uh, there's, of course, a lot of hope for us Arsenal fans that he will uh, just transform into an FPL points magnet overnight. But uh, yeah. he hasn't been that earlier. And But you never know. We got little data on him uh, from earlier. So he can prove himself over a couple of game weeks uh, and he might make it as a good asset. But if it is up to me, uh, I'd say it's a wait and see and uh, let's hope uh, a new Casola, that could be magnificent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he does look, like when he first came in, I did think that he kind of looks underpriced. I mean, he looks confident and comfortable on the ball. He got the assist from the corner, another assist from like a simple tackle. He's, he does have neat, feet in the box so he gets up there he loses the ball inside the Arsenal half a few times in that game he does look good though he tries a lot of different things he just he looks like he's got plenty of mistakes in him as well it's just all promising stuff it does look like he's going to get the odd yellow as well he's more of a, a playmaker so you know you can see a fair amount of assists obviously he's on set pieces too and at 5.5 the problem is is that Emery's managing him and so I'm, I'm fearful of bringing him in and he gets benched for the likes of Xhaka or, I mean, like we've got Ozil, Mkhitaryan, Torreira. They all haven't started both of the last two games. So 
It's only been one game. And if he did that, if he came in in game week like 15, as we were saying before the pod, Mikel, yeah, everyone will be saying, oh, okay, he is definitely a wait and see. But because he's done that so early and people are looking for options again, it's almost a little bit of desperate. I, I looked at it myself and I was like, I was really considering it. I just thought, well, he's not proven yet. His history, he's only got seven goals and four assists over a hundred La Liga games. There's nothing really to shout about amazingly it does look really good there's a lot of hope there but not anything which i think we should just be jumping to uh, sure uh, i i agree and, and uh, another factor um, as i see it, that uh, he's actually a lone player and uh, they are uh, yeah, extra at risk for they have to perform uh, at least a little bit better than than the alternatives to to stay in uh, in the first 11 so so I'm worried it's uh, one bad performance or two and um, it turns to dust quickly yeah, I mean, we uh, we should kind of mention how the failure of Iose so far. I brought in Iose Perez knowing that he had these two good fixtures against Sheffield United and Bournemouth next. But uh, yeah, he looks like he's right out there on, on the wing, on the right. So everything seems to go through Madison and Vardy. I mean, Perez got into dangerous positions in the last game but he wasn't really used they they didn't seem to fit in with Leicester's attacking moves at all when all Brighton came on they looked a bit more fluid Uh, like I said they've got Sheffield next and they're actually looking a decent outfit defensively now so I don't actually see that as a good game for him maybe born with the game after but always try and preach patience with Perez and who knows he could suddenly do well but he could be dropped the next game as well so I can see why yeah, we've got that as a headline of you know that he's a failure. Yes, really. He, at the start of the season, um, I also had uh, before the season he played uh, really well and um, he turned up as one of the good uh, prospects. Unfortunately, for the first couple of game weeks, uh, it looked like it looked like his underlying stats that that have I've had a look of, uh, look at. They are about the level of a 4.5 defensive midfielder so far. And that uh, the game is brutal now. We have to make uh, a couple of changes. And um, with those kind of stats, it's a quick, uh, quick turn for someone else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had to consider a few players on these mid-price mids. There's uh, Sabalos, uh, McGinn and Mount, who I've all looked at. What, what's your thoughts on McGinn as a player? <laughs> He's a boring option, but he's a good option. And very often in, in FPL, actually, going for the boring option seems to be the way. I don't know if, if you guys on this podcast has, uh, has followed Villa Ronka or, or, yeah. or some of the old guys. He's notori- notoriously has been going for the boring options. And in, in the long run, run, that's an extremely good tech. But um, now at the start of the, start of the season with a wild card uh, in hand I think you can perhaps take a little more risk um, but a good option sure yeah I mean he, he got the six shots against Bournemouth which was the highest in the game but five of them were actually outside the box so he kind of shoots on sight which is ideal for an FPL asset He's eight shots in the first two game weeks, four in the box, one goal, promising. And Villa last season, I took a look at their uh, stats, they got 82 goals last season, so third most in the championship. And he got seven of them, assisting nine. It's just that he does rack up the yellow cards as well because he got 14. Yeah, interesting. So there's a few there's a few mid-price options that we could move to there, Iceman. And I think the, the next headline actually leads on from the slightly higher-priced players. But um, it's the issue of Martial and KDB. 
They've got managers taking hits already. Um, and Paddy, the, uh, the hitman on uh, Slack, has asked who will score more points this season between KDB and Martial. And I've got to say, um, both of them have made, made a great start to the season, haven't they, Mikel? Yeah, sure. They, they both look like top options um, at the moment. In, in my transfer algorithm, uh, which um, is purely based on, uh, on the data, um, they, they look at uh, Martial is on top and uh, De Bruyne is uh, right behind him. Um, but I don't know, taking hits for these guys uh, is probably too much of a stretch, stretch for me, though, because um, I've always been hit-averse and tried to plan plan, plan my way uh, through it. So, um, actually, one, once I went for fifth game weeks uh, without taking a hit. The price difference between the two, um, the calculations show um, in the algorithm that, that there is about uh, 16 points per season advantage for De Bruyne and uh, I, I think that sounds about fair. Yeah, there is good value in De Bruyne. Because I've, I've been looking at it. Before this game week, I wanted to bring in De Bruyne and Pookie. So did have it all planned in thinking I'll do that. But then Pookie went up 0.1. So it almost changed what I was thinking. But I looked at it between Son and him. And uh, I mean, like you look at Man City, they smashed Spurs without actually smashing them. Like City's XG was 3.23 and Spurs' was only 0.11 according to understat.com. Like Lloris was being dealt like shot after shot and a little bit like 50 cent. They are top of expected goals for all teams so far on, by a long way of 6.17. They're the best team in the league really and these fixtures which they've got Bournemouth, Brighton, Norwich and Watford. I did some kind of pointless analysis on this you know, but it's analysis nonetheless. Uh, I looked at all the past games against these teams and uh, in the past games against Bournemouth over the past seven they average over three goals a game against Brighton did it on the most recent games so I did on the past five games they average over 2.4 goals a game against Norwich the past seven games they average over 2.5 goals a game and the past nine it was over three goals a game against Watford over the past seven they averaged 3.8 goals a game so there is a lot of goals there. And I did compare that against Spurs, against their next four fixtures as well. And they've got Newcastle, Arsenal, Palace and Leicester. And against Newcastle, the past seven, it's 1.7 goals a game. Against Arsenal, it's only 1.4 goals a game, even though people think that those games are normally high scoring. Uh, against Crystal Palace, uh, over the last seven, it's only one goal a game that they've scored against them. And against Leicester, it's a little bit higher. So a little, little bit un- unexpected, this one. 2.8 goals a game they've scored against them. So for me, it was KDB all the way. And then comparing him to Marshall, who's kind of unproven in that number nine striker position. It was no question for me. I know who's going to score the most points. It's going to be KDB at the end of the season. It doesn't discount Martial though. He's still a good asset. Yeah, his XG over the last two game weeks is actually 0.8, which is third for midfielders. He's only on five shots though. So he's not got a massive shot volume. And United have been doing well the last two games. They are third for expected goals. And they've got Palace next. And they've conceded 25 shots in the last two. But they're just not proven to be like consistent scorers. He is playing out of position up top for a top six team. So if you've got the wild card, I'll definitely bring him in. But yeah, out of the two, to answer Paddy's question, it is KDB all the way. 
Yeah, sure. And, and of course, uh, you also have to take into account uh, what kind of players uh, you get rid of. And uh, there are always two par- two sides of the transfer. is one going out and one in. And, and uh, you have to figure um, what's the best uh, to, to support Martial uh, a little bit more. Uh, actually, the last two games have been two extremely difficult games that they have uh, came through very well. Um, but I'm always a bit worried. <laughs> I worry about Martial. I've, I don't know how many times I've been burnt by buying him, um, but I'm, I've done it again. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've you've gone early this week, then kind of done what a lot of managers you know, are averse to do, and they like to wait until Friday. What was your reasoning behind going early? Is to jump on that price value? Is that important to you? Yes, uh, actually, at the at the start of the season, um, I've done some calculations showing uh, the value of getting some some team value early, and, and they show uh, that zero point one million in in selling value in not in uh, team value but ac- extra selling value has uh, about a 22 points uh, it's worth two points over the over the season so so if you go, went early on Pukki uh, this week and and can bank 0.1 that's that's two points um, over the season uh, probably and and um, Sure, that's that's half a hit, right? So, so, um, so that's, so that's I like over thirty-eight game weeks, is it then? So it's, yeah, yeah. If you manage to accrue one million, then you'll be on twenty points more if you've accrued that on these uh, value players. So if they if Pookie does go up by say uh, you know one million, then what's that point five? Is that how you judge it? The point five which you yeah. gain on that? So yeah, effectively that's uh, ten points over the season. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, about the calculations. And of course, uh, the value of the extra value goes down as the season goes by, as, as there will be less weeks to exploit your extra selling value. So uh, when half the season is done, um, one million extra is uh, only worth uh, 10 points um, for the rest of the season. So so now is the chance to, to uh, save up some value and uh, take a risk on go- going with early transfers. Especially for me, perhaps, because uh, I'm not too happy about my start of the season. And, and uh, with a wildcard in intact, I can um, accept slightly higher higher risk, I think, as, as I always have a, have a backup. OK, well, let's, uh, we, we talked about midfield, who to go to, who not to. Let's talk about Pookie. So no, no Pookie, no party. Definitely no party for me not owning him this weekend. So uh, Will Bill has asked, should we be jumping on Pookie or should we wait to see how he'll perform in his upcoming games? I've got to say, with his stature and the way that he plays, from a distance, he does remind me of Andy Johnson when he was playing for Palace. Oh, yeah, he does, yeah. Um, I'll probably get flamed on social media now. <laughs> um, but no, awesome finisher. This guy's the real deal. That volley was no joke. One of five or six brilliant goals in the Premier League this weekend. Great record in the Championship. He's got one against Liverpool. He's got a hat-trick here. The, the only concern we talked about, Iceman, was his fixture coming up this weekend. So whether or not we, we bandwagon on him, if you haven't already, I think you've probably lost a fair bit of value there. But what, what are your thoughts on him, Mikhail? Actually, um, Puki was, uh, even for game week one with Liverpool away up next, he rated uh, number three in the transfer algorithm, which is... Which is uh, very good. Uh, now as the fixture has uh, gone by and he has 
came out of it in a very good way and he looks to be the the clear option up front with quite a distance in the transfer algorithm down to any other options so um he looks like a, a, the first season keeper that uh, has emerged uh, i think so i went early on him too yeah i Totally agree with that. I mean, we saw him in the Liverpool game and the signs were there to bring him in. He just looked really good. I mean, your algorithm told me that I should have had him in last week and I could have, but yeah, he could have had the two goals against Liverpool and Liverpool best defence in the Premiership last year. I know they're going for a bit of a rocky patch, but yeah, himself and Norwich haven't really given us much reason to doubt him in any way. Norwich are a very good attacking team. They just seem to go for it. They don't seem to be shying away from going out and attacking teams. Teams. I know they will kind of chase goals every game regardless of the opponent by the looks of it. Uh, Norwich last season and the first two games, virtually every shot and every chance is going through Puki. And he got the 29 goals and 9 assists in the championship last year. And he is currently top on attempts level with Sterling, all in the box. Not They're not just speculative shots from the edge of the area. Like, say, McGinn has been taken. He makes these clever runs. He's got the ability to score with both feet. He might even be on penalties. I looked at some stats on this. Oli Lewinsky on our Slack has mentioned, he, he did some research. He said Norwich had nine penalties last season and missed eight of them. So McLean took one and, and missed. Uh, Rhodes took one and missed. Puki took one and missed. Steeperman took one and missed and Varancic took two and scored one. So I reckon Pukki's got a good chance of actually being on penalties as well. His current XG for this season is uh, 1.46. He has scored four but he's always going to outdo that when you score a hat-trick. I mean, I, I do think he's going to He's got the chance to score against Chelsea. They don't look that organised at the back. You know, Leicester had a few opportunities against them and they conceded four against United. Uh, also two against Liverpool midweek. So, yeah, I can, I can definitely see goals from him going forward. Like you say, I reckon he's a, one of these season keepers. He's got the potential to do against anyone. Also, there's not really anyone else in that 6.5 bracket which look any good. So I think he is the best, you know, he is value for money. Yeah, sure. And uh, and um, uh, I'd like to compare him a bit to Harry Kane as well because he plays every bloody minute. Yeah, and doesn't get injured either. No, so so he's, uh, he's such a solid option as well that he'll just, uh, he seems to be... Um, be around and we can rely on him being a good asset for for the long haul so um i see no reason not to not to jump on board uh, as i talked about with the with the price rises as as well now uh, running along nicely he's um he's a must-have yeah and he's got the history as well in the danish league 2016-17 looking at the stats which paddy posted in our slack as well 20 goals he got in that season. 2017-2018 he got 17 goals. Then for Norwich last season, 29 goals. So this season, who knows? 48 goals, I predict. Yeah, I'm still I'm still itching myself because he was also like yours, my candidate candidate move in in the transfer algorithm, and uh, I just told myself. Uh, should I go for this? Should I not? And and um, I told myself uh, the value of waiting is larger as we will know more and uh, be more flexible with two two free transfers. Uh, 
uh, I rarely regret because decisions decisions are made before we know the outcome. But uh, but this one, I'm I don't feel too good about this one because he looks so such a good asset. Yeah, I, I should have done. It. Okay, so uh, yeah, I think that's Pookie well and truly supported there, chap. So part of your money, people. Now, saddening is the this next topic, which I never thought I'd see. Abandon the Liverpool defensive ship. We've got Rebant, uh, Notorious FPL, FPL Hitman. Oh, is that the same person? FPL Hitman and Notorious FPL. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, Milan Singh, uh, all asking whether we need to move away from the Liverpool defence, and uh, which we all doubled up on. So let's address... The Liverpool sinking defensive disaster that is Adrian, which is destroying my my image of Virgil van Dijk, who I've held in such high esteem. Bar an absolute blunder at the weekend, they would have had a clean sheet, Mikel. So what are your thoughts on this Liverpool defensive situation? I don't think it looks... Uh, it doesn't look too good so far. Um, and uh, the Liverpool defence uh, last season, probably it was uh, quite a bit of an over overperformance, but um, they won't be that much much worse this season and and uh, what looked to be immense value might just be excellent good or decent value this season but but um, for me that's a that's a wait and see for the next few games I guess um, if you've got a wild card uh, I guess the decision is even worse and perhaps you will turn it down to just one but but um, you have to keep in your mind you got uh, 200 points last season and uh, at seven million, that's that's amazing. So um, I don't forget that too fast. Yeah, I do think people are forgetting. I mean, the thoughts in the masses are, you know, the doubling up is currently not working. They have looked at some stats on this. They have conceded more shots in the box over the first two game weeks this year than they did in the first four game weeks last year. They, you know, they've conceded twenty seven goal attempts so far it, it doesn't look great does it but kind of put it into context uh, as well man city have only conceded eight and it's like a, an expensive luxury at the moment yeah especially now with a terrible keeper but you know to counter all that they have had some bad luck with the adrian mess up i do think it will go back to the mean of last season at some point i mean a lot of ditching robertson but he still looks really good he almost got a goal vvd seems to be the target man for every set piece taa attacking asset you know he is more or less a midfielder just not great defensively i mean look, look at it this way norwich they really attacked him which i'm sure they didn't quite expect and they conceded in that game they, they only conceded one like norwich did deserve to score and then they played, what, the 120 minutes against Chelsea. Chelsea are a pretty good attacking team at times this season so far. So not really a shock there. Then they had limited sleep after that game, which I found out. I heard they got back to their hotel room at 4am. And then they got a flight back, which is like another four hours or whatever from Turkey. Then they had to play Saints away. So they had to travel the length of England from north to the south. And St Mary's is a tough ground to come, come to. And they made Liverpool work for that game. It was only because of that Adrian mishap that they conceded I mean they've got some good fixtures after the Arsenal game so I can see a lot of clean sheets down the line I mean the end of the season like you said Mikel most managers kind of doubled up on the Liverpool defence because they were so good and I think that that will continue to the mean like I said earlier I don't think the two games you can overly judge it on this defence as a whole I mean if I was on wildcard I think I definitely would come away just because you're not 100% about it but the, my prediction is I think it will go back to what it was last season 
Yeah, sure. I, it's a, it's a wait and see, especially with a, with a good three next games coming up. Actually, Arsenal at home isn't too bad of a fixture anyway, and and these guys they are not only did they defend well uh, last season, they also were very good attacking assets with uh, ten plus uh, assists uh, on wing backs. Uh, that's uh, quickly uh, that turns into a 12 pointer and then everything is forgotten about the first two games and and we all turn our heads again okay so yeah agree with those sentiments on liverpool uh which leads us nicely actually into our question about uh, our headline rather about the template being broken so one minute ice man we're saying the template works Now, now it doesn't work. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it not. Work. It hasn't worked this week. It's. Uh, you know, I've got the template at the moment. I'm moving away from it now. This is where it kind of separates the men from the boys in terms of FPL and how they play it. But we all kind. A lot of people start with the same teams, and it's all been split up now. Uh, I started with a very similar team to Mikel. He's gone Marshall. I've gone KDB, and it's just changing a bit now. And I do think certain aspects will be broken, and it kind of does lead us on to the wild card and talking about that at some point that's why it's our next headline but i do think eventually there'll be a new template and i think that maybe we should be wild carding into that once why you know the wild card not necessarily a wise idea to go to at the moment yeah i i agree about that um, it, it's so always uh, uh, this early in the season, uh, I don't see the logic in in doing the wild card because uh, at the moment uh, some players have, have gotten a start or two in the in the um, first team and done very well, but but for uh, they haven't settled in any lineup, I think, and uh, it quickly turns to dust if they then perform badly for a couple of games, then uh, they are permanently stuck on the bench uh, quickly. So so uh, I'd like to wait, sure, for for any wild card, but. But about the pet template, uh, I actually I don't see uh, much of a template anymore. I think the game has opened up with so many options being about just as good um, defenders, yeah. midfielders, attackers, uh, uh, good 4.5 option um, uh, possibilities. Um, there are so many options this season. So uh, credit to the FPL really that has done such a good job uh, at pricing assets before the season because uh, it makes it a lot more interesting to play a game where where there are so many options than playing the game where we all go for the same. Yeah, I tell you, it does make it a bit more fun. So with this template issue, Tim has asked uh, if he should go Salah to Mane. Yeah, see that people are considering that now. Like obviously, just the the one goal he scored in the Prem. Like he did score twice in the midweek game in the Super Cup against Chelsea. Come back this game week and yeah he's gone and scored just from two attempts Salah had three attempts but he didn't quite look at it still could have had a goal though but clearly tired from that 120 minutes midweek I think but we will be preaching this most of the season I think probably all year the fact that you know we're going to ask questions about Mane and Salah but Mane's been overachieving for a while now maybe that's kind of just what he does that's just who he is he just comes scores goals from nothing but he got the 22 goals last year three assists I think it was Salah got the 22 goals as well but he got nine assists and is on penalties Salah more often than not has better stats in terms of shot volume than Mane so I think you pay that extra million for that assist potential and the likelihood of more goals because you know the stats do more often not equal goals and the more shots you're taking the more often not you're going to get goals Mane does look at it at the moment though so I suppose that's just my thoughts on that 
Yeah, sure. And I completely agree with you uh, about that, because um, if you have a look at um, the underlying stats, um, let's see from last season, you can see Salah had uh, about 10% more big chances than money. He had 60% more goal attempts and created 50% more chances for others and had 60% more touches in the penalty area. Yeah, That's huge. Yeah. And they played about the same amount. So clearly, Mane, he, he ran uh, he ran well. Uh, things went in for him. While Salah wasn't that fortunate, in the long run, that's never sustainable. And uh, and my data tracking supports that. But uh, no player sustains such uh, such overperformances of that kind. So uh, and in addition, the price difference is one million for for uh, what is really uh, a huge difference in in the underlying stats. Although the actual points from last season uh, are more comparable. Yeah, I mean Salah's done it. What, for two years now, hasn't he? He's always been the top FPL scorer. There's a reason yeah, for sure, that. Right. He's and he also a was, great asset. Yeah, yeah and sure. And for Roma also, he was. Uh, he had amazing stats uh, before he came to Liverpool. And, and in Liverpool, he has just continued. So so uh, he's truly proven. And, and uh, I said FPL had priced every player right, but uh, I'd still say Salah is uh, underpriced. Oh, wow. Big statement. Nice. Okay. Maybe don't jump too quickly. Um, we've got a question from Mark and Bison 22. So many players like Trossard, Puki, Jabalos, uh, Mane, KDB look really good. Plus there is Harry Kane against a woeful Newcastle. How on earth do you decide which one to bring in first, Mikel? Does the algorithm help us with this? Of course, you could just use my algorithm. Problem solved. <laughs> problem yeah. solved. Yes, but, but uh, remember, the player getting in your team is, uh, team is just half the swap. So you have to consider the one you're shipping out as well. Uh, so so um, although there are many tempting players, um, you have, have to look at your team and see which one needs to go as well to, to fix your weakest links. And, uh, but on the inside, of course, uh, if, if I had to choose, I, I'm sure I would prefer a player like Kevin De Bruyne above getting Harry Kane. Oh, big statement that one as well. Yeah. I mean, to, to answer the, the question of that, I just think you need to kind of list your factors and what, what you want in a player. I mean, obvious ones in terms of form, fixture, you know, who do you think is going to score the most points in the next like four to six game weeks? Obviously their price, maybe their value. I would say that Harry Kane and KDB are good value this season, actually. And their stats and are they proven good FPO assets for the likes of Tossard, Tossard, Trossard? Fortunate slip. Um, <laughs> Sabalos, players like that, yeah, even the likes of Mount, they are not proven in the Premiership, so it's difficult to to go on those players. I would look for the tried and trusted in terms of KDB. I mean, like, if you're looking at that list, Mark, I would rank that in terms of KDB, Harry Kane, Mane, Puki, Trossard, Sabalos. Yeah, it's it's how you want to do it. I, it's difficult to to say. Because, like Mikael has said, it depends on who you're taking out, how much money you've got to spend around. Yeah, sure. And also, um, if it's a double transfer, it's, a, it's often a sacrifice. Say you started with some of the template players in in midfield, and then, then Kevin De Bruyne can, might be difficult to get in. And, and the sac- sacrifice in, in terms of hits and uh, and uh, other suboptimal moves might make it bad. So so it's not easy. And uh, the fun part, it's uh, yeah. more like a chess game where you have to see the position. Yeah. 
I like it. A game of strategy, which moves us into should we unlock the wild card? So do you keep your nerve and stick with what you started with, that plan you were building all summer long? Remember that one a few weeks ago? <laughs> or do you kick it to the can and do we play that lovely wild card where we can all forget the bad couple of game weeks and start again? Uh, Alex has asked, would be great to hear you discuss your wild card strategies Um V means were. Were you to play it this week? <laughs> Would <laughs> you take money out of the defence or go with one of the big hitters to balance the squad? Thanks. <laughs> Iceman, do you want to answer that first? I think I'm just going to come in here and mention, because I've, I've got a list of people who are wildcarding in our Slack, like Stefan, Nando's, uh, Alex is also wildcarding, Mad Hatter's wildcarding. And they gave me some reasons, because I do think you need reasons to wildcard. Uh, I think the reasons are pretty good. I understand why all these people are wildcarding. I think they could benefit from it. But like we said just now, not necessarily for me, because I don't feel like there's enough data, but um, Stefan's reasons were, yeah, he started with Heaton, Rico, Fraser, Wilson. They need to go. There's a couple of cheap enablers that have emerged, which look really good. Marshall seems essential. Don't want to double up on Liverpool anymore with Allison out indefinitely, and Liverpool being a bit shaky preseason as well. Yeah, he wants Mane and yeah that one million over Salah as he won't be captain in them. So captain's a big thing for him. Perez will drop, so losing value as well. He kind of summed it up. No wild card, lots of price drops and hits to rectify. Whereas wild card, value gains and a chance to turn a bad start around because he's not had a great start. Alex was saying also he wanted Kane versus Newcastle and KDB is looking excellent value. And Mad Hatter just said for shits and giggles. So a few reasons there. I had also Jeremiah from our Slack also said, I briefly state that I'm not wild carding. Basically saying that wild carding in the template players after two game weeks, the race is so compact now four points separates over 200,000 places so rule number one of most people's FPL strategy is to be patient it's a marathon not a sprint so what are your thoughts on that Mikel I know you were saying just now that you uh, are not for the wildcard because we don't know enough information yet what what are your thoughts on those reasons and whether or not they are good reasons to a wildcard no, actually, um, it, it really it always depends on on the concrete team. But in general, I would say um, playing it this early it, it doesn't make too much sense if if there are just uh, three or four players that you you're disappointed about. Try to remember uh, the reasons you you got them in before the season. Uh, there were probably very valid reasons you got them, and and things should, doesn't change that quickly in in football and. All it takes is a is a goal, and uh, and your mood might swing uh, completely about the player, and and um, so I think it's too early to to say that you know enough now to to set out uh, the right team. I think uh, also uh, a lot of the, the successful players so far they are a bit of variance that uh, that will fade away. So so it's better to to make the big wildcard decision when we when we know who is more likely to be sustainable assets. Yeah, very. So Emma's asked, what are the bandwagons yet to emerge? Some cheeky predictions, please. And which of the current hot players will prove to be cold porridge in a week or two? <laughs> Love that. Actually, if I have a look in the transfer algorithm, I can see the good options that looks interesting. It's, it's kind of cheeky. It's Madison. Um, mm-hmm. He, as you said earlier, uh, all play in, 
Leicester goes through him, and and that's recognized in his stats. Uh, he looks now easing. Uh, he's he looks like a really good good asset that hasn't been successful so far, but I'm sure he will be uh, uh, come good. Other options uh, that I think, which is not very popular to, popular at the moment, is players like Haller at uh, West Ham. Uh, he has uh, had some injury now, and uh, but fixtures have really swinged the West Ham's way. And if he now uh, gets fit, he has some amazing stats from the Bundesliga that after a couple of game weeks, most people have forgotten now. But he might easily become uh, an FPL beast that uh, just 7.5 uh, and very good fixtures. Yeah, um, I was going to mention West Ham midfielders in that in that conversation as well. In terms of Lanzini, they have potential as well, just based on fixtures. I can see them getting a few goals in the Hala. I think it's going to help them with that. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the, the transfer sin that they see as more questionable, uh, I see, uh, of course, Ndombele is a popular, popular transfer in among the masses now. And uh, my view is that it would take him uh, fortunes um, comparable to Yaya Toure to, to turn out good for, uh, for his owners. Uh, he's really not that. An FPL asset uh, that uh, returns points um, in the long haul. Uh, also, players like uh, Caballos and uh, Mason Mount, I think uh, yeah, they are popular, them. but uh, but might easily uh, easily fail uh, if they get in the cold. Um, a couple of, a couple of bad performances, and uh, there are plenty of players ready to step in and take their place. Yeah, that's the thing. Because I was doing the Pookie and KDB move, I needed uh, Mount uh, to enable me to do that. So I got rid of Perez and I brought in Mount. And the reason is this is um, I looked at his stats. He, he was responsible for three shots on target in the first 30 minutes versus Leicester. He does play in that number 10 role. He was playing in the Super Cup. He came on as sub and he was looking good attacking wise. He scored a goal in that, which was disallowed. So yeah, he, he's looking pretty good. Giroud, when he was playing, he looks a great player for the likes of Mount as well. A bit like how um, Haller does for West Ham. Uh, when he when he starts, you know players like Mount are going to get shots away when Giroud starts. So he's a great front man for holding up the ball and laying it off to Mount. Not good for FPL, Giroud, but uh, good for other midfield assets. And I looked at some stats in terms of Chelsea. Chelsea are third for goal attempts after the first two. I know you can't judge it that much after that amount of time, but they look good in the Super Cup as well in terms of attacking. Mount is actually third for attempts for midfielders with seven behind Sterling and McGinn. He got uh, 11 goals and six assists in total for Derby last season, but for a six million midfielder, I'll take that. But there are, like you say, Mikhail, there are plenty of Chelsea midfielders, though. You need to be wary of that when bringing in players like him, because he's not 100% going to start every game. Even Callum Hudson-Odoi spotted in training today. Mount has played 90 minutes in the last two that came on the sub in the Super Cup as a mentioned and I, I do know that Lampard did trust him a little bit more last season for Derby so I've got hope in him with their fixtures coming up in terms of they've got Norwich next so there's hope but like you say if a couple of bad performances and then he could be replaced by the likes of Barkley who didn't play at all last game yeah, and and uh, and I agree. That he, sure, there are there are quite a lot of potential uh, in Mason Mount with the role he has gotten in Chelsea, and he seems to be Lampard's uh, little baby that uh, that will get to play uh, uh, no matter what, based on uh, what he has said about the player uh, in the press conferences. Uh, so I agree about that. But, but um, 
anyway, there, there as you say, there are many players in, in Chelsea, and uh, actually, Mount's stats at at Derby they they weren't too good. So so um, it's more like a role that I I suspect might uh, become more like uh, an Golo Kante kind of um, not an offensive central midfielder, but more of a um, they won't be that attacking uh, in the long haul. You've just poo-pooed all over my transfer there, Mikhail, so thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, Ice Man, how do you like them apples? Oh, not at all, very sound. But sure, very I think uh, really you can always afford uh, to take one risk, uh, like one high-risk uh, transfer, like uh, I'm sure Mount is, uh, but you should always um, have a look over your team. Uh, how many of those high-risk assets do you have? Because uh, you can always handle one. I'm not so sure you can handle three or four. You you can run into big trouble. You're bringing it back now, Mikhail. Thank you. Thank you. Bring it back to the norm. That's uh, it's a good transfer again. The uh, <laughs> he, to be fair, he is the only player in my team which I consider a bit of a risk. So hopefully, will do me well. Yeah, speaking of doing well, Iceman, um, FPL Addict has asked, is Kane essential? Last game anonymous, even as the Villa, he was lucky to show up late. I started the season with him, Salah and Sterling. Now I'm thinking of switching him to Son for the Newcastle game. What are your thoughts on that, Mikel? In general, I think um, any setup with it with um, three big guns is too much. As uh, there are um, the, the sacrifices elsewhere seem to be um, too high. Uh, as I see it, uh, um, like in defence, uh, we can criticise the Liverpool defenders, but but what else really? You have maybe a a City defender, but you want those attacking assets so so who else is there maybe a united defender but but you need defense in defense as well and and going for three of those then that means you play some 4.5s and i don't like that and so i'd say uh, he's not essential and i would prefer to use my funds on salah sterling and uh, maybe kevin de bruyne as well but but um, anyway I, i don't think kane is that much worse than the than the other three i just think uh, he doesn't make it uh, when I compare. Yeah, I think um, going back to a past podcast where we had Peter Blake on, he still reckons he's kind of injured, not kind of got over that ankle injury which he had. Also, Callum Jay from our Slack, just based on Kane, he's a Spurs fan, and he's saying the man hasn't been the same for over a year now. He only got the one shot in the last game. I know they were playing City. I looked at his past maps uh, his pass maps. I looked at his passes received heat map for that goal, and it is absolutely terrible. It looks like most of the touches are just within the uh, his own half. And as I mentioned earlier, with those fixtures, Newcastle, Arsenal, Palace, and Leicester, they're not that high-scoring games in the past. Not to say that he won't do well against Newcastle playing at home. So, you know, I would say he's still a captain option. I just see more potential in, like Mikel said, and those other players in terms of going premium elsewhere. Yes, also the the, the, the players surrounding Kane, I'm not too convinced. Uh, Eriksen, what happens with him, uh, he, I think is extremely important. Uh, um, it was a trio of Eriksen, Ali and, and Kane when, when uh, Kane really, really returned um, back in 2017 now it's it's more open they bought uh, some new stars that will play they they uh, Ericsson might be leaving and and um, the creation for Kane with with players like Mora appearing in the team it, it doesn't uh, look to be the same way as it was 
Okay, I think some good comments there on, on Kane. Um, chaps, we've got some general questions have come in, so let's do that before we get to the Iceman's uh, piss. First of all, Stefan has asked, who is the best 4.5 options at the back, and can they make up for the more expensive players from the bigger teams? I'm sure one of the names that's going to come from both of you is Lundstrom. Account. Yes. Yes. Would he be, he be on your <laughs> he be in your thinking? Yes, he, uh, actually, uh, I regret uh, regret my game with one team, and uh, and he's part of the reason. I uh, <laughs> I went for a five three two formation um, from the get go, which uh, eliminates uh, possibilities like uh, having Lundstrom uh, as a backup, and and uh, I now have to face the consequences of that because um, he, he looks to be uh, the real option at at four point zero or. Uh, but uh, there are also uh, other good options I think like um, Mings and uh, and Dunk uh, yeah. both look uh, viable options uh, I know Dunk uh, he needs a bit of rotation but, but uh, there are players like Den Donker that uh, can be val- very valid rotational objects uh, with uh, a defender this season I think because um, Den Donker is really mispriced and uh, can fit into some kind of rotation like that yeah, just going back to Lundstrom, I mean, that, you know, Sheffield United have kind of shocked us in a weird way. I know they got the 21 clean sheets last season, but they are set up so well. Zaha and Benteke had nothing. Not that Benteke gets anything, uh, but tactically they're very good. He got the bonus in the first game. He's even an attacking player, isn't he, Lundstrom? So he should have had an assist when McGoldrick missed a sitter. He scored. He is playing well. Currently top for defenders equal with TAA for big chances created. He is a bargain, but and I'll go put a caveat to this. They have terrible fixtures. They are playing Leicester at home next. I see a goal in that. Chelsea away. Southampton at home. Maybe maybe keep clean sheet in that. Everton away. Liverpool away. And then Watford away. And Arsenal at home. I see goals all over the place there, really. I know they're a good outfit, but I can see nearly all those teams doing well to break them down. They were conceding chances still. So not necessarily just going to shut all those teams out so I don't know if he's a much of a playable option over the next week maybe come game week 14 uh, or 15 when they're at home to Newcastle he might be a better option but he is obviously going to root up in price now um, I'll tell you ones which I kind of thought about which is kind of in the same same team is Basham and O'Connell I do think they're likely at some point to be really good options they get into the box they do they overlap as uh, a lot of people have heard about when the overlapping centre-backs for Sheffield United so they could be good options going forward but in terms of the best 4.5 defender Soyuncu from Leicester I think that he is going to rise in price quite a lot at some point but he's just not got great fixtures at the moment Leicester's fixtures kind of up and down but the best fixtures from the 4.5s I would say is Villa they look like they've got the best fixtures in terms of likes of Mings and El Hamadi who got randomly three bonus points in the last game uh, he is actually currently joint top for the defenders for chances created on five equal with TAA and Richie so I would actually say, Sodic, go for El Mohamedi. He did well at Hull. He could be a good option. Although you have got Montoya. I'd probably rather go for Montoya over Dunk, though, Mikel. And Watford's not started well. I do think that they've gone for maybe a bit of a blip. And I think Cathcart could become an option as well. Yeah, sure. But I think we can agree upon the best option is probably a Villa defender like Minks or El Mohamedi. Yeah, I think yeah. El Mohamedi there, Stefan. Like that. Okay, the Mad Hatter, who we're going to be hearing from in a bit, 
Jimmy for 7.5 million or Rash for 8.6? Mikhail? Oh, that's an easy one. That's uh, Rashford, of course. Uh, he looks, uh, he has good fixtures and uh, he has got a secure role now in in the United lineup uh, with Lukaku gone and, and um, Sanchez uh, looks to be on his way out. So, so uh, it's easily Rashford for me uh, at the moment. Uh, at the same time, uh, Wolves have, hasn't really impressed attacking-wise so far. And while uh, United have no question, it's Rashford. They're actually Wolves are actually bottom of expected goals at the moment for all teams so far. So they've also not got really a big enough squad for the Europa League. So I don't think it's that good investment in them. Not to say that Jota's not going to get anything next game, please. Uh, but Rashford also could be on penalties now that Pogba's missed it. I know that Solskjaer said after the game that it's two guys who decide who takes the penalties so he leaves it up to Pogba and Rashford themselves I can quote here two of them are designated penalty shooters so it's up to them there and then who feels that this is mine so yeah he's leaving it up to them so it could potentially be Rashford because he hasn't missed a penalty yet and he takes an awesome Pogba uh, does and not. I'm, yeah, and I'm still shocked Pogba is in the, in the mix yeah uh, <laughs> There's still rumours about him going as well, so yes, he could be gone. Yeah. So uh, leading on from Rashford, notorious FPL has asked, what are the best assets to choose from at Manu? So I think it's fair to say we're fairly agreed in Rashford, but, but who else in this United sure. team? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, of course uh, as I said earlier, uh, I went with Martial as the top option uh, in the entire midfield bracket, and uh, I think uh, it's no way. You have to go for Martial uh, at some point now, I think, with the good fixtures. And then, of course, Rashford in, in attack and uh, in defence. It's not that easy if it's uh, Van Bissaka or Maguire. I'm not that sure, but I'd say Maguire is perhaps uh, slightly better in the in the long term because uh, I really see some goals in in him. And, uh, and um, also United look quite solid. Did you say that Marshall's top of your algorithm at the moment, even above KDB and yes. Sterling? He oh. is. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, I do, I mean, like, KDB is the best player in the Prem for me. I mean, even as a FPO asset, got the nine chances created in the last set, three big chances all against Spurs. So he just looks amazing. He's, he's on three assists, four bonus so far. He's on 18 points. Top for big chances created, top for, chances created as well it's the same old KDB for me I just think that he will tick over every single week continuously he just looks so good I do think Rodri's freed him up I know I've turned this Man United question into a City question but yeah he, he just looks so good I know he, he did drop deeper when they were pushing for the win when they took Rodri off in that Spurs game but as soon as I see a player that good I want him in and also in this City team who is the man that's going to be hauling most games it's going to be Sterling and I think that who is the second who is second to that is going to be contributing like a number of goals that they're scoring I think it's KDB I mean there is an argument for Aguero in the discussion but the rotation is more likely with him so especially with the spat he's just had with Pep although I do think they, they made up in the end but that still can't be good Um, I, I know people have been questioning KDB's position at times and I looked at his heat map as well and he is more or less playing on that right wing more of his balls being received just outside the area and obviously he's on the corners as well and you look at his history in terms of what he can produce it's 
2016-2017 is like six goals, 21 assists. 2017-2018 is eight goals, 18 assists. Then he had the injury sped season last season. And now he's got this season. I just think that he is going to be absolutely rocking it this year. He should be top of your transfer algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. He, he, it's really close. So, so it's um, one uh, very good performance, uh, my swing it uh, because, uh, at the moment, uh, there there are no clear candidates in in midfield that uh, really turn out. Martial Martial is marginally uh, the best uh, the best option in, in midfield at the moment, but uh, but that might you might turn out to to be right, and uh, and uh, the algorithm will will follow after. Um, that might easily be the idea. I agree. Uh, De Bruyne has looked very good so far in his stats this season. It's about 20% above uh, the stats he has uh, usually accrued uh, um, in the earlier seasons, which have been quite stable with a slight dip last season, as you mentioned. So, um, But you really didn't answer the question, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I completely... You answered it, so that's fine. People can take your answer on that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that takes us to the end of the questions. Um, we're going to be getting into Mikel's algorithm, but first of all, the Iceman desperate. needs a break. Yeah, desperate. We'll be back shortly. Uh, welcome you all back from the Iceman's piss break and uh, good break to you all. So let's talk about Mikel Tokfam's algorithm. Uh, absolute genius piece of work. Got a few questions related to this. So we're going to grill the genius himself. Mikel, can you firstly please explain the algorithm, the construction and development behind it? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, we start with X multiplied by... No, that's right. <laughs> Um, there are so many factors to consider in FPL. Um, um, it's kind of a chaos. Um, there are um, some players that have performed very well uh, at home, some that have been very uh, bad against certain teams. Uh, you find stats on everything, right? Uh, but with what's really the core, and I've, I've had um, used a lot of time to to analyze data to find uh, the key elements in the game and and uh, to put the pieces together to to try to figure what gives give the best prediction of the future because that's what we are really interested in, in isn't it so so i put a lot of different data into into my computer to to generate uh, how you can um, uh, predict future returns uh, it's a gradual work i've, I've used um, over five years uh, on this um, building one and one more block into the calculations to adjust for for the different uh, factors in the chaos. Um, the basic idea is that uh, the transfer algorithm loads uh, the underlying data like shots and chances for every player um, uh, going way back and they combine those data into uh, the expect, expected FPL points. In, in addition, um, because points in the past, it's also a bit of variance where, where some have really overperformed some have overperformed substantially and we and we get blinded by that so we have to try to figure uh, what what is really sustainable going forward 
And then, of course, recent performances, they count a lot. Uh, what's, what's way behind in the past, that doesn't count so much. Um, and if we, we use that data, we can find an underlying strength of, of an, any player going forward. And then uh, if we combine that with how much we think the player will play, which is actually the, the most important of, of all is that uh, any player plays, uh, then that uh, can be calculated into uh, a point expectation uh, for the player. And um, to complicate matters, we have a, a limited amount of money. And uh, what I then had to build is a, is a vector field that really squeezes and tries to squeeze players into into a budget. Uh, so that's really not, not easy, um, especially considering you have to take into account um, things like uh, players that have extra value due to their captaincy material. Um, um, but I've done it and... and, um, and as I publish on Patreon, uh, um, it kind of, it, uh, the algorithm pretty much follows uh, the mainstream ideas of, of which players are, are the best to have, but, uh, but it's not always like that. There are sometimes some players that, that, uh, particular players that have been really unlucky that, that turn out uh, very high. And, uh, and that's, one of the interesting parts, I guess. Yeah, the, the the player you've got like kind of best underlying stats, the luckiest and unluckiest, don't you? According to the model, could you go through the season so far? Just kind of what's what you've got. Who are the most unluckiest, best stats? Yeah, yeah. So far this season, uh, actually, uh, Raheem Sterling is blowing everything. He's uh, so far the underlying stats for him show twenty five points. Actually, has he has gotten twenty six? Uh, so he's been a point lucky but uh, they are immense of course not sustainable and and will uh, probably uh, adjust uh, closer to his long-term uh, running data but it looks certainly good and the second and third is sala and Pukki. so um, so the underlying stats uh, supports the, um, what we uh, what we regard now as the as the best players so far when we come to the luck, it's, it's easy to um, get blinded by players that have been very lucky. And um, of course, Pukki is one of them um, because he has gotten an extreme amount of uh, points with his hat-trick. But, um, um, so he will also probably um, not be this good. Um, also, his underlying stats will also probably converge down. But uh, it looks really good for uh, for players like him. Um, another player that has been really lucky is Ndombele, as I mentioned. Uh, he has never been a, a good asset and is typically the kind of player that uh, scores a goal or if you are lucky he scores two and everyone jumps on board uh, because uh, it's nothing that supports uh, that's uh, in his statistics on the unlucky side which is uh, what i find the most interesting to to follow because uh, that's quickly players that you put out of favor that but could be um, coming and if you get want to get ahead of the curve, players like McGoldrick and uh, Trezeguet and, and uh, Bernardo Silva and Fraser, they've all been quite unlucky so far and, and can easily um, uh, come good. 
it's uh, we are early in the season, so uh, being just uh, a goal unlucky so far, it's brutal. So you love McColdrick, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. But uh, but uh, his stats so far is uh, very good, and uh, he should have had uh, 12 points actually uh, in the underlying model, and uh, he's like, only got four. So uh, he's had a brutal luck, and um, it can easily turn uh, out to be quite a good asset if he keeps his place because. Um, more than just FPL managers that uh, that get um, worry. Um, I know Sheffield got a lot of uh, strikers on the bench. Yeah, they're, they're actually second to City for expected goals so far this season, which is yeah. a bit of a shock, which does put a bit of a, a palm to the expected goals algorithm. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure McGoldrick has a fair share of that uh, expected yeah. goals uh, volume so far because he's That's really picked up the chances. Okay, so what is the algorithm's fresh output for game week three onwards? Yeah, that's um, so far as I said earlier. It's uh, now it's uh, Martial, Sterling, Salah, and Donker, uh, De Bruyne. That, that is the top options. Actually, to see the Donker in this, there is quite interesting because uh, what the model says is he's actually a viable starter, not only a viable bench option. Um, because uh, if you start him um, and have another 4.5 uh, on the bench. Um, uh, there seem to be value in in squeezing those money in on other high price assets that you play. So um, so that's why he's so high. You can say that the algorithm always fits so that uh, the top options uh, they will always be possible to to combine those into something you can afford. Um, and that's why then Donker squeezes up because you need him because the a lot of the expensive assets really seem to be worth paying for. Like now it is De Bruyne, Sterling and Salah that has three defensive options you need. Uh, it looks well as Martial and then uh, then you need some cheap as well. In attack is where uh, the big swing is because uh, Pukki looks like the big leader in uh, among strikers before it's very close among uh, a lot of other options with uh, Rashford for sitting in number two, but um, it really is pucky and uh, quite open uh, for what will be uh, the other alternatives. Which, uh, as uh, as the Iceman also said earlier today, he wasn't too convinced about a lot of the other options, and uh, and the algorithm agree with that. It's uh, it's pucky and um, and wait and see. It's kind of confirming my thoughts then. The, what the algorithm does is a bit like XC. It kind of confirms your thoughts of what you're thinking, and if you're not looking at any options for the likes of McGon- Goldrick, maybe he has potential at some point. They've got terrible fixtures. But uh, let's, yeah. shall we have a quick look at what this means for my team? I mean, like last week, you told me to do Yotta to Puki, Fraser to Marshall, or Perez to McGinn. I didn't do any of them. I just held. Maybe I should have done Puki. Um, but no, it didn't do any of them. But it would have worked. Well, two of them would have worked. So two out of three isn't bad for the algorithm. So my top moves for this week is almost the same thing. So it's Yotta to Puki, Wilson to Puki and Fraser to Marshall. So yeah, sure, but uh, but also you have to take into account the uh, the timing effect uh, into uh, that has to be taken into consideration. Like a player like uh, Yota, he he's perhaps uh, uh, viable to keep for another week. Uh, that might make sense while while uh, it's a very good timing to sell a player like Wilson or Fraser, which which got uh, Man City. 
Yeah. So it, it's like you, when you use the algorithm, you, you have to think yourself as well because uh, actually timing is, uh, is a factor that uh, the algorithm might not. Uh, you can do even better by selecting some short-term uh, other routes than the, uh, than the algorithm uh, by, for instance, using um, Jota next week. I'm sure he's on your chopping list. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, so if you're interested in the transfer algorithm, go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm to get involved with all we've just talked about there. Give yourself an advantage in your mini league. Yes. We are also partnered up with the Fantasy Football Hub this season and we've got an exclusive sign-up offer if you're interested. So if you go to their website and use the code SURGERY10, so that's fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up there for 10% off. Take advantage of that Killer deal. So let's get into our transfers and our captains for this week. As I haven't spoken for many a moon, I will go first. So my skipper this week, I'm actually going to stick with Harry Kane. I I believe in him and uh, against Newcastle, who I think look uh, awful at the moment at home. I fancy him to get a few. So I'm going to skip a Harry. And I had a, a free transfer this week. So I've actually moved to bring in Lundstrom and KDB to double up on City midfield. Um, yeah, so I've, as you may have heard throughout this podcast, I've kind of gone KDB, Mount and Pookie in for Wilson, Fraser and Perez. And I've done that for a hit because I did want to do KDB and Pookie before and there's no other options in that 6.5 bracket. But I've kind of missed, I've just to talk about this, I've missed some kind of early price rises before. And I think team value may be more important than ever this year with so many kind of attractive premium options. The 0.1 can really hurt early whilst the budgets are really tight. So I did say on our Lessons Learned podcast at the end of last season that I wanted to play a little bit more aggressively at the start of the season than ease up over halfway. I do know, however, that most of the good FPL managers ignore the price drop and kind of wait until the Friday just to get all of that knowledge. But I'm not saying that this isn't a good thing, but that 0.1 0.1 at this stage is like 0.5 million so that's why I've gone early you are taking a risk but there are you've got to weigh up the risk and just kind of hope that they pay off if I had Kane I would be tempted to captain him as I don't it's on Sterling as Mikel said he's just exceeding everything top for big chances top for attempts from midfielders Bournemouth you know, they conceded six big chances in the last two game weeks 30 shots conceded against the two promoted teams so my captaincy is on Sterling this week like it Mikel yeah, sure. I've also spent both both my transfers this week. Actually, I sold uh, sold uh, Wilson for Puki to to catch a price rise. As I was unfortunate enough to see Puki move up zero point one, so I couldn't do the same for King. Uh, Last game week, I should have done, but, um, but now I had to sell Wilson instead early. At the same time, I, I, I brought in uh, Martial for uh, for Sigurdsson, which I see uh, as a really go- good option. So basically, my moves are just uh, just the same as what uh, the algorithm suggested me to do, um, which um, I, most of the time I do follow, and uh, it's very rarely that I don't. So, so I've just put my blind 
faith in in that. That means uh, actually this week uh, I'll play uh, Den Donker in my <laughs> first eleven, which uh, I'm not too happy about. But um, as the algorithm suggests, uh, it might uh, not be that that bad of an idea. Yeah, I like that. He's in my squad as well, Den Donker. I've got the same dilemma this week, so I might well be joining you for a bit of defensive midfielder Wolves action there. Yeah. Actually, and my captain is, uh, of course, it's uh, it's on Sterling uh, ahead of Salah. It's the same reasons behind. And actually, I, I publish every week a, a captaincy calculator where I, where I actually... It's not like I think that you should only look at the transfer algorithm or or only some other sources. So, so uh, there I've actually made a combination of, of my source with a few other sources that I know are very good to see who gives the best average expectation and, and actually Sterling tops that ahead of Kane and Salah uh, this week. So um, so I'm happy about my choice. Yeah, so just uh, interesting whilst we're mentioning Arsenal there, we've not actually been able to talk about Nicolas Pepe this season. It's not really worked out for him, has it, Iceman? Uh, not yet, but he's not started. Rumours that he's got, he's got in January, unfortunately. He's so. going, yeah, so check. Um, <laughs> it's well, really an interesting you... prospect in FPL, uh, Nicolas Pepe. So, so that's one, one of the reasons maybe uh, let's wait and see with uh, with uh, things like the wild card because uh, come game week uh, six uh, Arsenal's fixtures is amazing for the long run oh, and yeah. uh, if he has uh, settled in starting eleven then uh, let's see I think that might be uh, a big swing in, in the template Pepe in yeah. a very a very pacey front line if he uh, makes his way into that starting lineup in. <laughs> Right, let's go into, speaking of in, let's speak about our mini-league. First of all, the Patreon League is currently led by Luke Barlow, uh, who is on 153 points, a really good game week score of 67 for Luke. Second place is Callum Jacobs, and third is Adi Yakov. Yeah, it's only a 10-point gap between the three of those, so looking good at the top. Well done, Luke. And, uh, well done, Luke. So the FPL Surgery Podcast mini-league if you would like to join it, it is CCCJK2. And I'm going to give you the top 10 as it stands this week. So Kenneth Holt is in 10th place. Ninth is William. Uh, how do I say that? I spent. We? We? <laughs> we? Yeah. Sorry, William. Uh, Tell us how to pronounce your second name. Yeah. Um, eighth place is Dan Fenn. Seventh is uh, Mahesh Tapa. In uh, fifth place, we've got Iannis. <laughs> Nikki. Brackish, Jesus Christ! This is a uh, fantastic names going on here. Fifth place is the uh, the more the more plain Lee Cannon. Thank you, Lee. Uh, fourth place is Carlton Palmer. I hope that's the Carlton Palmer. Third place is Lydia Clements. Second is Andrew Gilfillan and Stephen or Stephen Stannard in first place. Christ, that was an absolute ordeal. Apologies <laughs> to all of you for butchering your names. I, haven't, I hope I haven't offended anybody. I had to mute um, my mic. Level. If I have, please complain to the Iceman and the address that I give shortly. Mm. But uh, as I see, he, the top uh, player in that league is already on 190 points. Smashing it. That's yes, sick. They, they I guess he has used both his bench much. boost and his wild card already. He must have, hasn't he? Jeez. Oh, he's played his wild card. Yeah, and... well, that's that gives some hope to rest. He got 98 the first week. Holy. Uh, he had Leno. Uh, carry on, Pete. Can I, can I carry on with you? Uh, yeah, you still? You can. I'll crack on them. Right, we've got some feedback in the feedback box from Gary Hotspur. 
he's put love these guys cheers uh, with, a, with a cheers glass they've this art of convincing me to leave out or include a certain player so well with stats to back up you guys would be great marriage counsellors I imagine you guys coming up with stats and facts and why a couple should hang on to each other for more than a month or a year. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Nice man. Do you analyse your? Uh, do you analyse your your relationship using data? I should. I don't. But I should. Maybe I. That surprised me. Some, some sort of rating system for Especially your your fiance's cooking or. Um, yeah, some sort of rotor or something. Okay, is, I'll, get started, I'll get started. Surprises you, me. You should always use a rating system on uh, and stats on everything, uh, not just FPL, but your ordinary life should also be put into an Excel sheet. <laughs> M- and Mikhail's got make it Excel so much easier. all over the place. Mikhail Excel is what you're going to be called. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to start to receive monthly spreadsheets from the Iceman about my performance and things that he likes and doesn't like about me. Have you not been getting that? No, I sent them straight to, straight to junk, but junk. I will have a look. Um, <laughs> right, let's get some sexy thoughts. Let's get some sexy thoughts. Sexy thoughts. This week's sexy thoughts. I'm preaching calmness. Calmness in the FPL community. I see a lot of people dropping wild cards, taking hits, panicking because of price rises. It's hard not to get caught up in it, but just stick to your plans and try to be calm. That worked out for me this morning. I was very calm. I got up at 4.45 to watch my team play football, and... Oh, shit. Hold on. <laughs> it was the wrong morning. They're playing tomorrow morning, <laughs> but I'm calm. I don't care. Ew! <laughs> oh, sexy. We've got to love him, haven't we? Love a bit of sexy. Yeah. Remain calm, folks. Follow the data. <laughs> love it. We've got a, we've got some other a few other things to to round off, Iceman. Yes, we do. So Jamie Ellis has just put legend. <laughs> That's his question to Mikhail. Legend. Legend. <laughs> so Mikhail, you are a legend, according to Jamie Ellis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if uh, I should answer that one, um, but um, actually, I mean, it's uh, mini league, I think. So Moolah, um, you're in Moolah, yeah. Yeah, you're against me. He's running really a, a nice mini league, so uh, so more people should join this next year. Nice, yeah. Everyone get involved. Real networker said. Does he actually speak? Some some say he just uses codes. I think they see you as like something out of the matrix, just a, a constant flow of data and numbers. Actually, I, I got a girlfriend. I'm married and got two kids as well. So, so um, I speak sometimes. Oh, well done. <laughs> Although uh, they get frustrated. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, we want to thank Mikel for joining us. Absolutely fascinating look into the algorithm and his thinking around all things FPL. Thank you, Mikel. Thank you, Mikel. Uh, thanks for letting me on, guys. It's uh, it's really been a been a nice hour to to uh, have a chat with you guys. That's good. Thanks, Carl. It's been great. Many a lesson learned, Mikel, and plenty to come from that uh, that genius piece of algorithm work this season for many a manager. Um, so, in terms of how you get in contact with the podcast, if you'd like to support us again, patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery, you get involved with the fun and frolics there. If you want to join our mini league, you can go to uh, usual place and type in usual place. What am I talking about? <laughs> Try again. The code for the mini league is CCCJK2. I think it's because it looks like cock. Every time I look at it, it just throws me. <laughs> um, check out uh, fplsurgery.com. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, and Twitter uh, at FPL Surgery. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and uh, if you can, please rate the podcast and that's what you think. Good and bad is always gratefully received. And um, if you don't want to be too public with your comments, please uh, email us at info at fplsurgery.com. 
www.ipodcast.com. Iceman, that brings us to the end of episode 140 of the FPL Surgery. Any any reflections from 140 episodes? It's been long. It's been a long one. Maybe we'll get a little bit more out of you at uh, episode 150. Um, But until next time, up the pod. Up the pod. That's the pod. Okay, so a new new feature for the FPL Surgery podcast. Mm. Mad Hatter's Bad Chatter. Viewing the, the fun and frolics of the last game week. Well, what can I say? Game week two, and I've decided to wildcard already. It's very unlike me to be so premature. Whatever. Get out of here! As I was saying, I've wildcarded Deadwood needed shifting, wanted KDB, and the team looks a whole lot better going forward. I'm more than satisfied. That makes one of us then. For God's sake, how do I turn this off? I don't know. Try taking your clothes off. For fuck.